Hey guys, welcome back to the Create Initiative podcast where we're here to help creatives learn, connect, and grow. I'm here with my co-host Jason Evans. Hey Kyler, what's up? I um, mean, just chilling. Just chilling, just chilling, and we've got producer Chris. And producer Chris! Hello, hello world. In the back. Wow, the gang's here. Except, Well, the gang is almost all here, except for the one and only Kyle Lee. He is still molding third grade minds. I thought you were about to say clay. For a second, I thought he taught pottery, but that was wrong. I mean, I'm sure he could do that. Uh, if he were here, he would probably say, oh, yeah, I've got this ashtray I made when I was three years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's he's pretty good at that um, on occasion. But I would try to get Kyle on the show this week, but we had some technical issues. And then, you know, he's a teacher. So, um Things happen. He got called into a meeting, or so he says. Public school's a wild ride. It is, especially in a COVID-19 world. Uh, well, guys, um, how's it been going? It's been a week since we've uh, last done this. Yeah, it's been going. Just going? Yeah, same. Just going. Man, you guys full of information. I like that. Aren't we just lively young adults? <laughs> we <Yeah>. are. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wonder, as a listener... Would they rather us talk or would they rather us have nothing to say and go straight to the guest, you know? I don't care what they want. <laughs> well, you're going to do whatever? I'm going to talk, <laughs> listener, and you're going to listen. Well, go. Ah, oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was insightful. <laughs> a lot of great information there. <laughs> well, I uh, hope you guys have had a wonderful week, and listener, I hope you've had a great week. We do have a, a great guest lined up today. Who's the guest, Kyler? It is Jonathan Mom. That's right. From Jonathan Sunday Mom. Social. From Sunday Social, Church Stage Design Ideas. Uh, he's written six or seven books. He's got two more coming out in the fall. So um, we'll get to him in just a second. But before we do that, guys, uh, we did this last week. You said, Kyler, we're going to start doing it every week. Yeah, and, we are. Uh, that means uh, it's time for another round of top three. Top three. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll get a real sound. <laughs> I don't know. I like that. I don't know what's wrong with we'll that. We'll just re-record me saying it. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then Chris can add some effects yeah. to it. There we go. Like, like some explosions. explosions. Yeah. Hey. You knew. <laughs> um, okay. Top three this week. Top three 80s songs. Songs from the 80s. Songs from the 80s. Chris, you want to go first? Oof. Okay. Um, Number three. I'm going to start off with... It always starts at the bottom. That's why I feel like it's it's, it's like a countdown. Yeah, it's climatic. Um, So number three. I I think I said that wrong, didn't I? Climactic? Climactic. Whatever. Big word. Uh, Number three. We listened to it earlier. Yeah. It's got to be Everybody Wants to Rule the World. By Tears for Fears. Yes. That's a good one. Um, number two, I would go with um, Hide the Beer of the Pastures Here by the Swirling Eddies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a goldie. Oldie but goldie. And then number one, quite argu- arguably the best song of all time, uh, Africa by Toto. That That's is a good definitely one. arguable. <laughs> <laughs> Arguable? Is that a word? <laughs> no, it is, but I mean, you don't agree that that's no, like a top three? I, no. What? I mean, maybe top three, I guess. I, I don't. Know. Have you ever heard Troy and Abed sing it? 
in Community? Uh, that, that I version, have, but I don't recall yeah, it. That version is is one of a kind. Reliant K's um, version is amazing. Yeah, Reliant K's version is a good one as well. So, okay, that's a good top three. I'm trying to think. I I fear that some of my songs may not actually be in the 80s. That's, that's what I think. I'm not really thinking really think. about it. You brought it, it up. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I relate a certain sound to the 80s. Okay. Although they might be late seventies or early nineties, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, they may they may blend. Yeah, from there there, but we'll see. Um, the eighties are kind of difficult for me. I'm not not a uh, like I don't just live for eighties music. I like a lot of more seventies mm-hmm. and sixties even. Um, so let me let me think here for a second. Um, could I just say like the entire Rocky Four soundtrack uh, by Foreigner? Um, no? Yeah, sorry. I'm regretting picking this question. Because I have so many songs. Anyways, Rocky IV soundtrack <laughs> by um, Foreigner? Isn't it Foreigner? I uh, think the so. The songs, I'm going to cheat and actually look it up just because I want to look. Oh, that's what I've been doing. Oh, have you been looking them up? Yeah, just because I want to get the time right. That's why, and that's why I'm like, uh, I did. Survivor, not Foreigner. Survivor. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Uh, Survivor band and then uh, Foreigner for confusing you. Um, so Survivor and um, obviously, you know, the uh, Eye of the Tiger. It's it's uh, just yeah. the way to go, right? Right. They also did Burning Hearts, which, which it's a great little jam. Um, so another one, I'd, it's probably 79 or 80, but it's Kenny Loggins' I'm All Right. He wrote it for the theme song for Caddyshack. So, you know, Kenny Loggins had a really big run in the 80s. So he Kenny did Loggins. he did the Caddyshack theme song. He did the Top Gun theme song. Ooh, Top Gun. Um, he did, oh, I'm blanking. He did another really famous one. I got to look it up. Why'd you have to pick the 80s? I don't know, because I'm looking at these songs that I was going to pick. Danger Zone, and I'm all right. Oh. Danger Zone, so I'm gonna pick. Is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. So I'm going to say, so I'm all right from the Caddyshack soundtrack. And then uh, for my third one, oh, man, silence. Come back to me. Name yours. I... Uh, this is my thing. I'm running into. I'm probably not going to get the dates right. Number three. Uh, darn it. Probably dance with some. I want to dance with somebody. Whitney oh. Houston. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, number two was going to be. You can't touch this, but that's 1990. Yeah. And then yeah. it was going to be by MC Hammer, and then it was going to be Shake Your Groove thing by Peaches and Herbs, but that was 1978. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'm just going to go with, I don't know, was, is I, this is tough. I'm going to go with Everybody Wants to Rule the World, okay. like Chris said, by, um, who's it by again? Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears. Yeah. I see their faces, but I don't remember their name. Great Number hair. one, I love this song so much. <laughs> Number one, The Way You Make Me Feel. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Could be one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite okay. songs. That is a good one. So is that three? Yeah, that's three. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i hop on the Michael Jackson train because it's the one that popped into my head. Uh, Billie Jean. The bass line uh, is awesome. I was trying to find out. Somebody help me. Um, Under Pressure, was that in the 80s? Because um, if so, um, 
Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure. I think I would definitely have to. I feel like Queen is for sure eighties or yeah. late seventies. Well, they 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 span both generations. I'm just not sure. Why 81. Not? Okay, it was 1981. Mm. So Under Pressure. So there we go. Uh, I'm gonna go Under Pressure, Billy Jean, and I'm All Right. Those are my three. Solid. Boom. So there it is. That's our top three. That was fun for the week. I really wish Kyle could have heard that because I think he would have had some very weird ideas probably (laughs) (laughs) oh man well we better go ahead and throw it to our guest we do have a special guest today jonathan mom he joined us in our may workshop our communication workshop and um jonathan as we mentioned earlier he is uh one of the founders of sunday social and church stage design ideas and a few other projects and he's got a new book coming out called the volunteer effect which takes a look at why churches have such a hard time recruiting and maintaining uh, volunteers. So we talk about that a little bit. We talk a lot about social media. We talk about yeah. TikTok. Good stuff. He yeah. gave some great stuff. Get great out your stuff. notepads and your pens or your phone notes or whatever you take notes with. That's right. Or your voice diaries. Or your voice diaries. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let, let me tell you about this. So I am an external processor and I... So that means I process things externally. So by talking or writing things down, there's an app called Voice Diaries. And I have a lot of weird late night thoughts. And so all I have to do is reach over, click on my Voice Diary app, and I just talk. And, and then it's there for it's my diary. It's there forever. There forever. So free. Free. Wow. That's awesome. Voice Diary. Check it out. Voice Diary. Um, so Sorry. that was a great segue into uh, our guest. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Mom. Um, so uh, we did have a great time talking to Jonathan. So enjoy this. Like Kyler said, grab your notebook. Um, don't do it if you're driving, but just keep track of it. And uh, we had a great conversation. So here it is, our talk with Jonathan Mom. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Create Initiative podcast. Um, as we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe where you're at, your family, stuff like that? Yeah, so I'm uh, Jonathan Malm. I live in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I'm married, no kids yet. Uh, but yeah, I run a few projects for churches to help them with creativity and just becoming more effective. So run Sunday social, which is um, social media graphics for churches, uh, church stage design ideas.com, which is literally what it sounds like church stage design <laughs> ideas, kind of a DIY resource. Um, and then I have uh, six books, almost seven books. Uh, one's coming out in September, one's coming out mid October. Um, but yeah, that help churches with becoming more welcoming, um, working with volunteers, um, becoming more creative, stuff like that. Well, that's awesome. So what you're saying is you never have anything to do, right? I actually have a lot of time on my hands, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I play a whole lot of Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> yes. I watch a whole lot of TV. So it's it maybe sounds more intense than it is. I just I think I don't do anything that takes longer than an hour, like a chunk of time. If it takes me longer than an hour, I'm just not going to do it. So. I well, understand that. Yeah, maybe we need to refocus this whole podcast on how do you do things that only take an hour. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, Jonathan, it's a super interesting time. And, uh, you know, we, we had you for our communication workshop back in May, and a lot has happened even since May. Um, you know, as we kind of get started, can you tell us what have you been learning during this season? Yeah, I've been, I mean, I think... I was already kind of thinking this way and it just, it just, 
you know, it, I saw that I saw it in the distance. And then when COVID happened, it turned out it was a truck that just hit me head on. Right. Like, uh, so it's the idea of digital discipleship now. And I'm not talking about like necessarily even doing ministry online. Um, I think that's been an obvious thing that people have been pushing for, but the idea of actually being able to disciple people online, um, churches have had to try to figure out how to do that during this time. And, we're realizing, I think, that there's actually a huge opportunity for it that we might have been missing out this whole time. And I'm kind of grateful that we've been forced to try to figure it out because suddenly we're all wrestling with it. Some churches are just desperate to get back to in-person, and I get it because there's something just special about in-person. But a lot of other churches are realizing, wow, there's there's an opportunity here that we might have never tapped into. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, like, do you have any any speculation on what that that might look like in the future? Yeah, I mean, me and me and uh, my friend Phil Battle, we've been talking about working on a book about this. But you know, one of the big because you know he we were talking about this originally, and I was I was still debating whether or not you can have a discipleship happen online. I'm like, does someone you know posting a picture that says like if you love Jesus, scroll if you love Satan, like right? That doesn't yeah. that's not discipleship, <laughs> right? Like. I mean, the, 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 my aunt who posts that probably thinks it's discipleship, but it's not right. Um, but one of the big paradigm shifts that we both took was that, you know, so often in our churches on, on the weekend, we try to, because we only have people one hour of 160 hours a week, right. Or maybe two or three, Mm -hmm. we have them for, for such a small window of time. And then the current statistic is they miss, you know, three out of four weeks. Right. So we have very little time with people. So in our church services, we try to we try to help people take a giant leap toward Jesus because, you know, if we only get them 13 times a year, we hope we can get, take 13 large steps toward Jesus, right? But with social media and with digital, with YouTube, we have the opportunity to help people take smaller steps toward Jesus because we have more time with them. Our time is not limited by time and space, right? Our, our, our discipleship is not limited by time and space. So mm-hmm. I think... We'll be focusing more on just tiny micro movements we can encourage people to make toward Jesus. So, and I'm not just talking about, you know, posting that scripture, posting that, that that does, that can help. That can be part of it, but um, giving people practical tools like, Hey, here's, here's maybe an idea for having a quiet time today. Here's maybe an idea, um, something to think about today, but with, you know, about your, your walk with Christ. So little moments like that that we have throughout the week, I think we have huge opportunities to help people take those tiny steps, which I think when it all comes together will actually make a bigger difference than those, you know, big major mega steps we try to get people to take on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's good. That that's is very really good. good. That's good stuff. So you said you run the Sunday Social Instagram account, um, and I follow you on Instagram. It's such good stuff. All the tools and all the posts of other um, different creatives reposting their stuff. It's awesome. Um, so what are you seeing um, trend-wise on Instagram and social media um, throughout quarantine up until now? What are What's happening trend-wise? Yeah, I've noticed, you know, initially everyone was excited because their online services, their, you know, their live streams, their, mm-hmm. their posts were suddenly getting a ton of engagement. And now as of, you know, maybe two yeah. months or three months, we've started seeing those numbers declining mm-hmm. significantly. And a lot of churches have been scrambling, trying to figure out why that is. And there's a few reasons. Partially people are just exhausted. 
So, you know, we, we have to change what we're saying yeah. um, because if we're just constantly trying to, you know, we're trying to keep a wheel spinning, right? We're trying to keep, you know, the plate mm-hmm. spinning, that, that old juggling routine. We're trying to keep this plate, plate spinning and it just ex- gets exhausting. But another thing is, you know, the, the posts that are getting the most engagement right now, unfortunately, are posts about politics, about yeah. um, racial issues, about um, conspiracy theories or yeah. coronavirus or... <laughs> I mean, if you post something like that, no matter where you stand, you're going to get a thousand comments, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the nature of the beast. So what's happening is Facebook, Instagram, they're prioritizing those posts because those posts get a ton of engagement. Now, I'm sorry, but my post for my church is just not going to get as much engagement yeah. as that. Yeah. So we're going to naturally see decreasing numbers. That's just a, the nature of the moment we're living in right now. Um, and so I think a lot of churches are trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I post that most engaging, you know, uh, Apple or PC or, you know, Android or iPhone, right? Like, cause we, we are desperate for that engagement, mm-hmm. but I really want churches to far- start focusing on, um, that discipleship moment. Like, yeah, it might not get you rave likes and comments and shares, but if you can help people take a step toward Jesus, they're going to be looking for your content. If your content is actually adding value to their life, they're going to look for it. So um, that's what I would love to see trend more. I don't know that it has been trending, but I'd love to see it trend more is, is really focusing on just enriching people's lives. Mm -hmm. That whole, you know, take, take, take of trying to get tons of likes, comments, shares. That's not where we can live anymore. We have to live in the give, give, give moment of what can we give people? What can we provide Mm -hmm. people? And um, that's, you know, that's going to happen for a lot of churches still outside of Sunday morning, just because we can't really meet like we were. So why not use social media as that opportunity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's super good. And I, and I think it kind of even circles back to right at the top when you talked about digital discipleship and like even using YouTube or, or producing video content um, that it, I think we fear that when we just throw it out into the ether, that it becomes this super passive content that maybe people consume or maybe they won't. But is there mm-hmm. is there maybe we should take the mindset of we put it out there so that they can consume it at their time and at their will instead of thinking, well, maybe they won't even look at it. Um, do we need to change our mindset to thinking we're going to just produce this because we, we understand they may not watch it on Sunday, but they'll watch it at some point uh, on their own schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think numbers are so scary for people because, you know, when we all initially started jumping on streaming churches were advertising. We had 2000 people watch mm-hmm. our stream this Sunday, even though we normally have a hundred people at our church. And obviously those numbers are, numbers are wrong. Like, yeah. you know, we didn't have 2000 people watching the whole service. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have. So a lot of it is just trying to understand numbers. And I think that's the hard thing is, you know, Facebook really wants you to think that your video blew up and went viral <laughs> when it didn't, you know, yeah. Yeah. but if you were able to reach a hundred people online where you would have reached a hundred people in service, I would venture to say that's even better than reading, reaching people in service because there's been this social pressure to attend church for a lot of people where, you know, I just, maybe I don't want to go this Sunday, but I know, you know, Jimmy, my friend, Jimmy's going to say, Hey, where were you, Jonathan? So I'm, it, you know, it, it gives me that little extra incentive to go, right. There's the accountability factor online. There ain't no accountability. Yeah. Like nobody knows if I'm watching, nobody knows if I'm engaged. So I only watch or engage with stuff I actually like, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of anonymity there. So if you got a hundred people to actually engage with your content, that's 
potentially better than having a hundred people actually engage in person. In my opinion, I know there will be a lot of people, you know, disagreeing with me on that because they might not be following and paying attention. But again, you know, someone on their phone watching you online versus someone on their phone in service, it's pretty similar actually. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, but also I would love to encourage churches to just focus on specific issues people are dealing with. You know, one of the, one of the toughest things we do in our churches every, every week is we try to talk about a topic that will hit the majority of people, you know, like what yeah. are people actually dealing with? Um, maybe they're dealing with marital issues, right? So we do that, but immediately 50% of the people who aren't married, suddenly the message doesn't apply to you. The beauty with online is that you can get highly niche focused with topics. So you can address specific issues and, and trust that it'll actually get to those people and not waste the time of people that it won't get to. So you actually have a huge opportunity to sp- speak to very specific issues, issues of fear, issues of anxiety. I have this whole list of, of things that we use for Sunday social to come up with content um, that people are just constantly going through, you know, doubt, um, fear, anxiety, uh, loneliness, um, desire to make an influence, all of these things that are like innate human emotional desires that we can address online. Um, and I, I think the more targeted we get, the more effective our content is going to get. That's good. That's yeah, good. that is good. So this this could be a hot take, which is going to lead into a good question, I promise. But um, I'm seeing a lot of, and I think it's almost become a career path where it's like um, Christian influencers, man, they have followers like crazy their interactions on their posts are crazy and they're i mean they're making great posts with quality content and um i mean i definitely believe they're leading people to christ but when you look at maybe um a church's social media the the content is like lacking quality there's no interactions um do you think the church is missing the mark somewhere and this might have applied to another question but do you think um there's a big mark the church is missing yeah, I think um, people interact with people. Yeah, they don't as much interact with organizations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we we've been for the last fifteen years, maybe twenty years, on this kick in the church creative world about branding, 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 branding. Yeah. Right? Like branding is the everything about church. Right. So we try to make our church brand so professional, so tight, so packaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're on this opposite pendulum swing yeah. that we just so often go back and forth on where people don't want to interact with brands. They don't want the fancy branding. If you hop on TikTok yep. and you see a video that's too good of quality, you mm-hmm. actually skip it. Whereas you look for the crummy quality video and you're like, oh, this is a person that I can relate to. Um, so I think there's been this problem with p- churches trying to be so professional, have this professional voice. You know, when my church posts, if I know who it is that's reading my comment, I'm much more likely to comment. I'm yeah. much more likely to infuse humor in my response. Mm-hmm. So trying to find ways to be a little bit more personable would be huge. And that's that's why I think you have these influencers who they're people, right? Like yeah. I connect with the person, but churches have become these, this faceless entity. We know it's not the pastor, but we don't really know who it is who's mm-hmm. doing this. Um, and so consequently people, they don't know if they can trust the person. They don't know if the person is going to like mock them or just ignore them. Uh, we don't really know who we're talking to. And so it's hard to get really personal with people. Uh, that's a good point. Is there like a space for a church to, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think how to say this maybe to 
encourage their pastors or their leaders to become the face of the church through their personal accounts and and maybe try to use the 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 branded account a little bit less but rely on your staff to 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 push out the church's values and and mission is there any is is there any value in that yeah i mean there's so many different ways to do it i think it comes down to and this is, I think, where I see some churches missing the mark is what it, what are we on social media for? Like, yeah. right? Like, why are we even here? If if the goal of it is engagement to try to get a bunch of comments and likes, well, heck, create a meme account. Like meme <laughs> accounts get tons of engagement, <laughs> they right? They do. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, but that's not that's not our purpose. That's not our goal. That's not what we're trying to accomplish. If we're trying to accomplish helping people take tiny steps toward Jesus, then man, you know, we might not get a, you know, discipleship isn't sexy. Discipleship doesn't get a ton mm-hmm. of like comments, shares. There will be some things, certain topics that really hit the mark and, and they do well. But for the most part, people are just going to, they're going to maybe watch it. They're going to look at it. They're going to think about it. And then they're going to go on with their day. And if we did a good enough job, hopefully they keep thinking about it, even though they've passed on, even though they've moved on to another you know, social media posts or something, right? So if that's one of our goals, that's perfect. If if our, one of our goals is to brand, is just to be an external face for the church, that's fine. But no one's going to engage with your brand, right? Like no one's going to be like, oh yeah. my gosh, that color of logo is gorgeous. I got to like that and share that, <laughs> you know? No one's going to do that. So we need to, we need to change our expectations a little bit. Um, and if your pastor, if your pastor has the vision to be on social media and to just like help people pastor people and connect with people, that's a, that's a huge opportunity. Yeah. And they probably should do it on their personal account, not necessarily on the church account. Um, at the same time, you can make the church account really fun, really community-based, really community-oriented, but probably the people who post need to sign their name so you know who you're talking to. You probably need to you use your stories to actually show who's posting on behalf of the church. Um you know, there's a thousand different ways to do it, but I think churches just need to figure out what their plan is and then choose, uh, realize what they can expect based on that plan. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Um, having the pastor post to their personal page, because I know when I go to a church's page and I see their pastor and I'm on a big Instagram creep, whatever, <laughs> um, binge, <laughs> um, and I click on the pastor's page and they have no content, that kind of sends like a weird, a weird signal to me that oh maybe the church or the pastor isn't completely sold on um, their social media or their church being a part of social media. But um, Jonathan, or, or I- worse, their pastor's profile is private, and then you're like, who Ooh, is this yeah. guy? <laughs> That's just sketchy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, earlier, I heard you mention TikTok. Just quick, a quick answer, whatever. Should churches hop on that or or no? What are your thoughts? You know, if they have a specific vision for it, yes. I've enjoyed TikTok immensely. Yeah. I, I think I have 37,000 followers now, oh which gosh, is so congrats. fun. Congrats. Wow. Thanks. It's not in any way Christian-based content. It's just humor. It's just <laughs> yeah. silly. It's dumb. Um, but you know, there are some churches that really have the vision for it and they're going to do well. Yeah. But I think if you're, you know, if you aren't even doing Instagram, well, if you aren't even doing Facebook, well, I think a lot of churches are just hoping for that next platform, that next, you know, special sauce that will suddenly make them successful. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you do, no matter what platform you use, if you, if you're not intentional with it, and if you don't invest time and energy into it, you're not going to be successful. So I would encourage you maybe focus on Instagram first, get that solid, get that exciting. And then if you have the margin, if you have the vision, then hop on TikTok. But um, I don't think it's for everyone. I think churches shouldn't be afraid of it, but they shouldn't be so quick to flock to it unless they know what they're doing. The exception being, I do believe everyone should get on TikTok just to understand Generation Z. Mm. Partially the reason I use TikTok (laughs) is 
it's just I'm eavesdropping on this next generation mm-hmm. and they're telling me everything about their values. Yeah. And, you know, if I want to judge that, if I want to be offended by that, I can be. But my goal is just to listen and hopefully to understand and then understand what's my voice to the next generation, because this is what they're looking for. How can I give them what I have to offer? How can I connect those two things? Um, so, yeah, TikTok's a huge opportunity for people. Um, maybe you don't post as your church, but just listen, watch some videos, engage. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I, I saw on the Sunday Social account, um, you guys posted a question about reels. You know, the Instagram's new, new kind of TikTok, mm-hmm. TikTok thing. Are this may be a little insider information, so you may not want to share it. But are you seeing anything? Like, are people, are people seeing value in that, or is it still like, yeah, just we'll we'll stay with TikTok for now? I think. I mean, I think if if TikTok gets banned, then reels <laughs> is going to be rip TikTok going crazy, right? But yeah. Um, people who are TikTok fans and it's this cult following, this really, uh, you know, loyal following, they're going to stick with TikTok. Yeah. I think if Reels is going to be successful, there has to be a lot of changes made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that's different about Instagram versus TikTok is Instagram users are trained to engage with the platform with their audio off. Mm. Whereas TikTok is very audio based. It's music, it's sound effects, so it's sounds. Um, so you know, Instagram users are either going to have to change the way they use Instagram or the people making content for IG reels is going to, are going to have to, you know, focus on visual content over audio based content. So I have yet to see, you know, I I don't see a ton of potential in reels right now, but I could see there being a ton of potential if content creators latch onto it. Um, and, and if Instagram makes a few changes about the way they discover and their algorithm and all that stuff. So again, it's so early in the, it's so early in the, in the, in the race that who knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good plan B. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good backup. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I want to switch gears just a little bit. You mentioned that, that you've written several books and you've got, uh, I didn't realize you had two coming up uh, here in the fall of 2020, but, um, your, your next release is the volunteer effect. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that book and, and maybe where the idea came from? Yeah. So, you know, me and my friend Jason, we wrote The Comeback Effect, which was about, you know, creating a welcoming environment for guests uh, to your church. And then the publisher loved it. We talked a lot about volunteers. We talked a lot about kind of that content. The publisher, Baker Baker Books, was like, hey, we would love you to write a book about volunteering. And Jason and I both have been in volunteer situations. We've led volunteers. So we were just excited to write that. Um, So, you know, the way we meet is, or the way we write is we just kind of gather our thoughts. We bounce ideas back off each other. We create an outline and then we just hash it out. We talk about things, you know, he says something and I challenge him or I say something, he challenges me. We, it's just kind of this fun, really fun process. And we, I feel like I'm really excited about this book. Like there's some great stuff in it about how to get volunteers, how to keep them and how to motivate them, which we've found are like the three main pain points churches have when it comes to volunteers. Um, So that book's coming out September 1st. And then we created, we realized there was this huge opportunity to create this book for churches to give to their volunteers. So we created this kind of companion book called The Volunteer Survival Guide. It's a short read. It just is almost, if if you could tell your volunteer anything, we tried to put that into a book. Like, what do you wish awesome. your volunteers knew? Yeah, This is what we put into a book. So we made it really inexpensive. I think if you get it on Baker Bookhouse, it's like $3 per book. So you could give one to every one of your volunteers. Uh, and it just kind of, goes along with helping empower and lead your volunteers. That's just another tool we created. 
as, as you guys were were researching this and in knocking out ideas, did, did you find anything that surprised you or that maybe reaffirmed some thoughts you had? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it is just communication and expectations. You know, um, we we asked a lot of questions of volunteers, like what you know, what do you wish your volunteer leader knew, or what do you not understand about volunteering? Um, I think a lot of it is just there's just a lot of intentionality that needs to go into leading volunteers, and unfortunately, a lot of the times, you know, I'm super engaged at my church. I'm such a great volunteer. And then suddenly I'm put in charge of something and I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily have the, le- the leadership skills. A lot of what I do is instinctual, right? I don't mm-hmm. know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, so hopefully we were able to put some, you know, codify some of the ideas about leading volunteers, you know, um, what, what does a volunteer actually want? Like, how, how do you actually get a volunteer? How do you, how do you create an invitation to volunteer that's actually compelling instead of just saying from the stage, Hey, we need 20 kids volunteers and yeah. then no one shows up. Right. Um, so I think we, we gave some really practical ideas on, you know, maybe some disconnects people have with volunteering, you know, what, what we try versus what we should do, or, you know, what we think will happen versus what does happen. Hmm. Well, it sounds good. We can't wait for it to, to come out. It'll be, it'll be a great tool for, for churches, uh, for sure. Um, it, as you look at this idea of volunteering in the church and, and, and with the release of this book, um, what church, what challenges do you think churches, what maybe new challenges are churches going to face now in this uh, COVID-19 world when it comes to attracting and, and keeping volunteers? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of what we wrote, we were evaluating whether or not it still applied in the, you know, coronavirus age of yeah. volunteering. <laughs> and fortunately it all does, which I'm really excited about that. Yes. But along with that, we wrote a bonus chapter that's available if you pre-order the book um, called Leading Volunteers in the Coronavirus Age. And we talk about a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, I'll give you some of the ideas is, you know, one of the things we had, to, we had to realize was that connection, you know, a lot of churches use volunteering as a sor- source of connection for people. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like a small group. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's just probably not going to happen as much on Sunday morning, just because of, you know, social distancing, mask mandates, uh, different things like that, that keep connection from being able to happen really well. So we gave some ideas in that bonus chapter about how to, how to create connection outside of the Sunday morning experience, whether you're still meeting online, like my churches or whether you're meeting in person, but you know, with limited, with more restrictions rather. Um, so some of it is just, you know, hosting a game night, hosting a, um, you know, a zoom call, but not like, not like the zoom call people, people are on all day, every day, but like have a guest speaker come in and just like empower people or have a game night, have a scavenger hunt, have, you know, give people a, a sheet of paper that says, find someone who skydives and have them reach out to their fellow volunteers and say, Hey, have you skydived? Um, different games and stuff like that. Um, hosting a rally, a pre-service rally, uh, online where you might, you know, in person, you might kind of tell people what the message is going to be about, but you can do that online, whether or not you're meeting in person or you're meeting um, digitally. So just some ideas like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things. Yeah, I, you know, I just know, uh, I mean, there are a million things facing churches right now, especially if it's a church that's not mm-hmm. built to uh, pivot quickly. <laughs> And yeah. so, you know, volunteers is always a headache. And so I can, I just imagine if, if churches don't really pursue it, it's going to be more difficult um, as people are yeah, hesitant think, to even come back. 
Yeah, one, one thing one thing I think, and I would love churches to start seeing this opportunity is, you know, I think of my we I talked about this in the in the chapter. My my in laws went to the same church as me for a really long time. My my sister in law, my my parents in law, my mother and father in law, they went to our church, and you know, they obviously started coming because me and my wife were there, right? So they were locked in, they were connected, but not necessarily connected to the life of the church as much. You know, they yeah. they attended regularly, they they joined small groups and stuff, but there was this lack of, there was just some sort of disconnect there where they weren't really, it wasn't like their home, their place. And it's mm-hmm. a larger church, um, larger meaning like 800 people. Um, but what's crazy is the church before COVID happened, they launched a new campus. Um, and my in-laws went to be part of launching that new campus. And suddenly their involvement grew like crazy because mm-hmm. they were suddenly like, part of building this thing mm-hmm. together. Like it was, it was suddenly their DNA that was part of it. Right. And it was this really cool opportunity and churches see this a lot whenever they're planting campuses is that people that maybe were on the fringes, they were maybe a little disconnected. They suddenly feel an identity and they feel a belonging that they, that wasn't there before. And I think churches have that same opportunity as they rebuild from coronavirus, from COVID is they can get people engaged and maybe people who are on the fringes, maybe people whose schedules limited them from being able to, to volunteer, maybe people who, you know, were kind of questioning whether or not they were in or out of church and suddenly realized the value of meeting together. Um, So there's, there's this new volunteer army that this new pool of volunteers you can draw from. And there's this, relaunching mentality that can happen from relaunching your church that is pretty exciting it can get people really engaged and really connected in a way that might have not been possible previously yeah yeah i think that's great yeah i love that i love some of the ideas you threw out too about zoom and small groups because i think once quarantine hit um people or churches specifically had a mental checklist like all right do zoom do small groups but don't do anything fun with it so i love those ideas you Mm -hmm. gave yeah, for sure. I think that's, I think that's a lot of it is we were trying to figure out, you know, oh no, what can we, how can we do exactly what we were doing yeah. online? Yeah. And that just doesn't work, you know, like yep. it's, if you think about it, it's almost like doing a church service outside, right? Like <laughs> you have a bunch of people walking by and they might give you five, 10 seconds, but they're just going to keep passing by unless something grabs their attention. So the the idea of grabbing attention is bigger now than it ever was because people are just casually checking it out. Whereas if you're, if, you know, if you're going into the building and people are watching and you might stay 30 minutes, you might give them 20 minutes mm-hmm. of your attention. So it's just a different dynamic completely. Yeah, I think that's so true. Um, well, Jonathan, thank you uh, for your time. I, I do just kind of have one one more question, and uh, before we go, and that is, um, what do you have any words of encouragement uh, for creative people, for people in the social media world, for people who serve in the church? Um, any encouragement uh, for for this day and age? Yeah, I would say there are more opportunities out there than ever before. We are more connected than we ever were. Um, there are more needs than there ever were. I think the beautiful thing about coronavirus, beautiful thing, that's horrible. But um, it, in, in a sense, it was the great equalizer. It showed that we all needed community. We all were afraid. We all were a little bit lonely. Um, and so it, it leveled the playing field for everyone um, and showed exactly what people needed it almost reset the world in a sense. Like for the first time, everyone in the world was going through the exact same thing, which is crazy. So um, 
look for opportunities that present themselves in this time. And there are so many other opportunities. You know, we've been shifting the way we do things on at Sunday Social because we've just realized specifically what people need. Like for the first time in the world, we've we've seen what people need. Hop on TikTok, see what see what kids are talking about and what they're what they're feeling, the emotional needs they're feeling, the the, the what 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 they find interesting and just tap into that there's so many opportunities and i think churches are just looking at other churches they're looking at other companies maybe even looking at you know other other organizations like wendy's chick-fil-a and they're like oh how can we do that but man there are so many untapped needs and untapped opportunities out there that no one's even thought of so just go after them We want to thank Jonathan again for joining us. Uh, We had a great conversation, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Well, before we get out of here, um, last week, Chris, uh, you uh, had to take a day off work so that you could go to a funeral. And Mm -hmm. it's very unfortunate. I'm sorry that you had to attend a funeral. Um, But we were talking, you had to play a a very old hymnal. What was it called? Beulah Land. Beulah Land. (laughs) And did did you know this song? I did not. I've heard the title all my life, but I never listened to it Um, because my family hates the song I've heard, so I didn't listen to it. Wow. Have some respect, Chris. (laughs) Have some respect. My goodness. (laughs) Um, But you played it on the acoustic guitar, correct? I did, yes. Now, how was that for you? It was was good. We made it really uh, kind of the Lumineers vibe to it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my parents had to sing it, and I played it, and they... Uh, said that's the hardest song they've ever had to sing. So, oh wow, it, it was good. It, it wasn't it, too shabby. Okay, so. okay. Well, uh, it kind of made me want to ask a question um, because I have opinions about performing services at either a wedding or a funeral, and I've, I wondered about musicians. Mm-hmm. Would you rather play at a wedding or a funeral? Um, honestly, I would rather play at a funeral than a wedding. That well, why is because at a funeral you're not. Really, if you mess up, you're not trying to impress anybody. You're just there to help aid in the remembrance of the one who passed. But at a wedding, you're very everything is very uptight, and you have to be like on point. Everything has to be perfect for that day. So, okay. yeah, that's why I love I, not love. I <laughs> I do not love that's playing fine. at funerals. I just I would rather play at a funeral than a wedding. What about you, Kyler? So I've sang at funeral and weddings and i i think i'd like to sing at funerals more because people are more this sounds so bad people are more just like put something in there to that's just what you do so they give you a lot more i guess creative freedom Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to but let weddings people are like we want you to sing this song this rendition always country yeah i sang um uh the band Perry song. If I die young. If I die young. No, maybe I'll <laughs> sing. I, I think I might have sang that one too. No, that was that. It was like all my life. It was something like uh, yeah, live all your life. It was. Was something. it just you, or was it like? It was me and my mom. It's always been me and my mom at my funeral, at my uh, great grandma's funeral. We sang "How Great Thou Art." That was tough because, mm. like, I looked around and all of my family members who showed zero emotions were showing. A hundred percent emotion, mm. um, and I was young and didn't know how to process my feelings. So I was like, "Wow, this is something." <laughs> wow. Then sings my oh, yeah. soul. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that public domain? Are we good on that? I got no clue. Okay, well, we'll stop right there. I got no clue. <laughs> all my life. <laughs> all your life, Ben Perry. All your yeah. all you, There it is. Well, that, that, you guys, you, you track the same way I do as far as performing. Um, I would so much rather perf- like speak at or be a part of a funeral Mm-hmm. than a wedding mm. um the wedding the pressure from generally the bride or the bride's mother family yeah. or oh, yeah. family mm-hmm. um it's the worst that's like i mean that's about as nice as i can put it yeah mm-hmm. um and and but usually at a funeral people are just more willing to just kind of go with the flow if that if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah um and like this may sound extremely morbid but like i feel like if i have an opportunity to make a funeral go really well then like I feel good about that. Yeah. Whereas yeah, like the true. the wedding at the end of the day, like it's it's only about the bride and the groom as long as they get married. Yeah. But like if you can comfort family or if you can honor that person mm-hmm. through music or through word, if you can make people laugh, if you can, you know, then I'm like, I feel like you're doing something. You're doing something. Um so what a down note to end on. Wow. But you know, hey, it's life, right? Life. I'd so much That's rather. True rather do a funeral than a wedding. So uh, uh, our pal Tommy and I, we were going through uh, getting our credentials together and we bargained a deal. I don't think Tommy ever took me up on it really, but I told him he did, uh, that he would do weddings, I would do funerals. <laughs> and that was it. Oh, you need someone to do it here. You're going to have to call my friend Tommy. Yep, Tom, he's a great guy. He can do it. Um, he's just got to get off work at Walmart, but uh, he can do it. So <laughs> Tom, if you're listening, don't forget, you've got to do all the weddings. Um, well, hey, uh, it's been a fun show. Wow. It has. Yeah. True. It went so quick. So mm-hmm. quick. So quick. Do you guys have any last thoughts before we get out of here? <laughs> I thought I did. I thought of something the other day, but I don't I don't remember. You need to use your voice diaries. <laughs> yeah, to remember. Yeah. What about you, Chris? No, I'm I'm just chilling. I'm I'm good. Just chilling. Always Not chilling. chilling. Big chilling. chilling. Nope. No, just chilling. Nope. nope. No mix. Nope. We can't. We can't do that. We've uh, been contacted. I make yeah, living. <laughs> I make breathing. <laughs> nope. They've got that. They've got that under trademark as well. Make so breathing. We can't even, uh, did you think of it? Did nope. you think of it? Wow. What a letdown. What a letdown. Well, hey, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Create Initiative podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, things are really just strange in the world right now. So. Hopefully we can offer you some form of comfort. Or laughter. (laughs) Laughter is nice. Laughter is good. Um, We want to thank Jonathan again for being a part. Uh, Go follow him on all the social medias. Uh, Go check out his websites and uh, check out his books. Um, All his books are good. They're super easy, easy to read, like super attainable. And uh, they're helpful, helpful for the church in general. So go check it out. Thanks, Jonathan, again. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you, Kyler. You betcha. And wherever you are out there, Kyle, thank you. Wherever. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wherever you are, Kyle. And, you know, we haven't formally done this as the music is playing. Uh, we want to thank the Handlungs for our new theme song. It was a, it was a short run, but it was worth it. it. It was a short run. Unfortunately, they have disbanded already. But, hey, that's life. Drama. In the fast line, right? That is drama. Well, hey, uh, thanks again for listening. We will see you guys next week. Create a radio show.